everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a bright, sunny, cloudy, crappy day here in D.C. We have a great show. Tune in to Facebook Live. You have to let me talk as well. Go ahead, talk. What do you want to say? No, I have nothing to say. Well, then why do you want to talk? Tune into Facebook Live. Go to at Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I, Nellis, and you can watch. we got a, a lot of people in the studio and a great show. Want to mention two quick things. Uh, we have a new sponsor, and they're open. Brasserie Liberté opened up in Georgetown. I feel like you're saying it wrong. And they like, open. No, Liberté. Liberté. <laughs> that and, and Pâté en Crude are the yes, only French. Yes, I know, but they're not in here yet. Okay, anyways. So check out Cafe Liberté has a great menu. They're open at 8 in the morning for breakfast. Breakfast, lunch, Do go and there. And want to quickly mention that we had dinner at Reverie in um, in Georgetown. Johnny Sparrow's the chef owner there, and it was spectacular. It was. I we mean, had a lovely evening. Uh, the wine list is really wonderful. And the steak is to Delicious. die for. All yes. right. So today's show, Jill Erber's back with us. She and her husband, Jeff, are the owners of Cheese Teak. Uh, they've got a new space. They moved a couple of doors down in Sherlington, and it's gorgeous. And we ate there, and we we had a great time. We did. And we had I good food, great wine it. list. So RMW's uh, DC Cocktail Week is back. We've got all the details for you. And Harley Mocker is one of the uh, participants. He's with Karma Indian. He's in to tell us about a special cocktail he's cooked up for it. Uh, Reed Schilling and Sarah Quinteros Schilling. Are in a shilling canning company. It's a mid Atlantic restaurant down in the yards. It's a great little place, and we're going to hear you'll hear all about it. I mean, you haven't been there, but it is a great little place. You have not been there. Oh, that's what you say. Okay. You haven't. I have. Reed, have I been there? No. You have not. Nice try. I'm just messing with everybody. All right. Um, Okay, so an age-old age-old tradition in French charcuterie is pâté en croûte. It's a like a pie crust. It's kind of a meat pie baked in a pastry, and it sounds easy, but it's not. And uh, it, it doesn't sound easy. Well, it Nothing sounds easy it to sounds me. Easy. It sounds easy to eat. But when it comes to major pâté en croûte competitions around the world, it's usually the French who dominate. But not this year. American-born Christian Welsh, of uh, he's a chef de cuisine at Kingbird in the Watergate, is the 2019 North American champion of pâté en croûte, and he's in with his mentor, Kingbird's executive chef. And a Frenchman, of course, Sebastien Giannini. And um, mm-hmm. i got to find out why he's got an Italian last name, but we'll find that out. You already found that out the last time he was in studio. I'm going to ask him again. The Good Life it. Behind Bars is a drink segment. We've got uh, we've peppered the show with it. Um, it's all about, you know, black bartenders and the, the, the history, really, the of, history black of black bartenders and what they have brought to the bartending and, and uh, spirit scene. Uh, Paul Gonzalez, who's the manager bartender at Allegory at the Eaton Hotel. Al Thompson, who's bar director at... Hanuman, and uh, Capri Robinson, who is D.C.'s 2017 Cocktail Queen and founder of Chocolate City's Best and a bartender at Reliable Tavern. They're all in to mix up drinks for us. And uh, speaking of mixing up things, we're going to bring in Central Farm Markets now and Mitch Berliner to talk about good, healthy produce and stuff. Well, not only that, it's Thanksgiving. So it is Thanksgiving. Mitch, are you all ready? Thank you. You all ready for I Thanksgiving? Ready thanks for this. You got it. Thank you for the segue, kids. Because we are, the Central Farm Markets are definitely your Thanksgiving headquarters. 
You better hurry up and order your turkeys and roast and all that stuff. We've got all kinds of specialty pies and cakes. We even have pumpkin hummus for the holidays. Pumpkin hummus? Is it good? good? Yes, it is. Did he tell you about it if it wasn't good? Sometimes people tell me about things that are not good. It sounds a little weird. It does sound a little weird. It did sound a little weird, but Mm -hmm. it was not overpowering. Okay. So just a hint of the uh, pumpkin pie seasonings in there, and it actually was surprisingly tasty. Cool. And then, of course, we've got great things for stuffing your, um, we've got apples, pears, and oysters for your stuffings. We've got cornbreads and all kinds of other breads. We've got fabulous sides. You could start your meal with cheese and meat crafter charcuterie. Big assortment, like you said, of vegetables still. Mm -hmm. Um, Apples, pears, Asian pears, and first week of persimmons. We've never had oysters and stuffing, but that sounds really good. It's a New England thing. By the way, yes, it's it's also been a big uh, tradition on the eastern shore of Maryland. Oh, is that uh, true? To stuff ham. Yeah, stuff hams with the cornbread and oysters. Oh, my God. And that turkey. Sounds good. <laughs> yes, and it does. And, of course, we've got plenty of your beverage op- options as well. We've got apple cider, cranberry apple cider, local distilleries, breweries. And, of course, nothing's better on a cold day than a hot apple cider with your favorite bourbon. That's true. So, um, like an apple cider yeah, hot toddy great... kind of thing, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And so we have all of this stuff at all of our farm markets, and um, so we're placing orders. You can go online, and we have our holiday brochure at centralfarmmarkets.com, and you can see all the offerings, and you can order them directly and quickly just come and pick them up. All right, boss. Quickly tell everybody where the markets are. You betcha. We have Pike and Rose every Saturday, um, and it's seasonal, so, but we are still open for another week. And then we have our year-round markets in Northern Virginia. We have Nova right near Tyson's Corner on the parking lot of George C. Marshall High School on Route 7. And in our flagship 12-year-old market now, Central Farm Market in Bethesda on the Bethesda Central, uh, on the Bethesda Elementary School parking lot. That All is right. CentralFarmMarkets.com. All right, Mitch. Thanks Thanks. so much. Bye. You know, that's what I call you. What? My hot toddy. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, Paul Gonzalez, step up to the plate. Where are you? Hi. So, how are you, you, Paul? So, tell us a little bit about Allegory. It's it's this little like tucked in the back of the hotel. It's so pretty at Eaton, obviously. Um, tell us a little bit uh, about it and this new promotion that you all are doing. Yeah, so uh, we've been open for about 14 months now. Uh, it is a mostly literary-themed bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, is in the back of the Eaton Hotel on the first floor. Uh, behind the books is that what we always like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the project that we're doing right now, it's uh, called Black News. It's in conjunction with Khalil Joseph who's a artist who's doing an exhibit right in the li- in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the art project itself is going to consist of two different TVs. And the first one uh, focuses mostly on historic black imagery. The second one is going to focus more on modern day black imagery. So when you look at them together, it has like a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. Cool. So 
Yeah, it was. So fun. then you decided to f- do a feature on. Yeah. Black so basically, I was bartenders. It's funny. Uh, so me, Deke, Jackson, all of us, we basically do a little bit of everything. So some days we supervise, some days we bartend, some days we host. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like one day that one of us was outside hosting while they were setting up the exhibit when I was asking them kind of like, you know, what their thought process was behind it because it seemed really interesting. And they were, were explaining it to me how like they tie the two images together to make a deeper one. I was like, that's kind of like an allegory. So we uh, <laughs> loosely... So, Sounds more like an alligator to me. But <laughs> so we really wanted to do something with them and, you know, do things. Our hotel is doing so many great activations and mm-hmm. so many unique things that it's great to be a part of it where we can tie in drinking. So it's not just like your average So hotel what's going to be bar. featured on this? It's going to have uh, five pre-prohibition bartenders and five modern-day bartenders mm-hmm. uh, with their bios and the drinks that kind of made them famous. Great. Uh, and then uh, the really cool thing about it is that uh, as far as the historical goes, uh, there wasn't as many. Uh, obviously, it's representing black bartenders throughout mm-hmm. that didn't get a say because a lot of the people that were. Right. They took. Yeah. They took it over. I understand. Well, we're going to come back and learn more. But quick question. Is there a little takeaway from this with their bios and some of their bar yeah. recipes? Okay. I mean, a lot of them are. Uh, Really, really pertinent. There's one, Dick Francis, who is a local D.C. bartender, for instance. Amazing mm-hmm. story. He bartended before, during, and after the Civil War. Cool. Which is All right. Well, we're going to hear more about that okay, in a so second. Okay, so what are you making first? Uh, the first one we're going to be doing is going to be uh, by Al Thompson. It's mm-hmm. going to be called Tears of a Thousand Swords. Mm-hmm. Really nice, like, tiki rum That's how drink. I describe my marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm number three, by the way, if you want to know why. Marriages. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, they make it 3,000. Swords. Okay, great. All, All right. right. While you're making that, we're going to get to Jill. Herber. Now, I've resisted talking about the big cheese and the cheesiest and all that, but cheese Thank teak you. is a great concept. Thank you. Why don't you quickly give everybody kind of an overview of how you got to where you are? Because you didn't start out in cheese. I, I did not start out in cheese. So my, my background is actually in computer science, and I moved to Northern Virginia to work in software development about 20 years ago. <laughs> And uh, one thing led to another. Did you drip Velveeta <laughs> on your keyboard? Or no, you know, I was I was a, a casualty of the uh, dot com bubble bursting mm-hmm. uh, back in about two thousand one. Is what it. happened. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, again, a, a number of sort of serendipitous steps from there, and I ended opening ended up opening um, Cheese Teak, which fifteen years ago was just. Um, a teeny a tiny little, little tiny cheese shop. Cheek in Delray. Right, exactly. We didn't even carry wine when we first opened. It was just uh, cheese and charcuterie. But what was really interesting about it is that you sort of opened, you opened in Delray, you opened in a place that was just starting to, you know, build uh, build a, more of a community with small little retail, small little restaurants. Mm-hmm. And you were the first real cheese shop little yes. independently owned cheese shop in the D.C. market, period. Yes. Um, and, and when I would tell people what I was going to be opening, there would be kind of a double take. They would be like, you're opening a what Well, that shop? was back when like restaurants, a restaurant would come on because they had a cheese cave. And everybody was like, a cheese cave? What is a but cheese then, cave? Yeah, a whole right. cheese store. Uh, people thought for about six months that I was opening a tea shop because nobody could even conceptualize that there would like be an entire store. Like you had a speech impediment? Dedicated, yeah. Cheese. They were like, maybe she said tea, because cheese can't possibly be a whole store. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, that's how it all And came then about. how did you, so now we here we are, 15 years later, yep. Mazel Tov, by the way. Thank you. Um, so how did you expand? How did you take, because it's not easy for a small, independent woman 
to take her shop and, uh, you know, grow it out. Right. So so the way that we grew, um, and I like to think it's the way we continue to grow, was really by the demands that we heard from our guests. So we transitioned from being uh, just a retail shop carrying cheese to mm-hmm. the first step was carrying wine because our guests said, oh, it doesn't make sense that I can't get wine here. So we started right. carrying wine. Then we added the restaurant um, a little over 10 years ago because people wanted a place to gather and enjoy the cheese and the wine mm-hmm. as a group together. Um, and they were always disappointed that they had to just take everything home. And so sure. we added the restaurant um, to accommodate Which is that a request. real change in concept, oh my right? Because you yes. go from really just being a retailer <laughs> right. to being a restaurant. I mean, it's right. totally two different concepts. Well, I'm right. sure your husband and muse, Jeff, had the. Yes. It was his fault. Um, <laughs> why don't we take a break early so we can really have some time to talk about okay, the new great. place? All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We have Cheese Teak in studio. They have a new place. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, so you heard the Brasserie Liberté promo spot before they opened, but they opened two days ago. You can go there in Georgetown right now, right next to next door to Cafe Milano, and mm-hmm. it's a blast. Yeah. So let's get back to Jill Erber and Cheese Teak, but Jeff, the silent muse, is about to pop some champagne. <laughs> okay. Go and, ahead. It's on. Don't worry. And Andy's going to take care of you, Jeff. That. No arm strength. There, there we, we go. go. Yay. All right, party in the studio. All right, so Jill, let's talk about the new uh, restaurant in Sherlington. Sure. We were there. You basically moved about five storefronts up the block. <laughs> yeah. But it's... I, mean, I know, it's, but it's a totally different look. Yes. It, yes, it has been fully transformed. Absolutely. So we opened the first Sherlington location um, a little over 11, about 11 years, or sorry, eight years ago, excuse me. And um, and a couple years ago, we had the opportunity to relocate because our landlord wanted to put in a new tenant where we were located, mm-hmm. but didn't want to lose us in the property. So um, offered to read. Oh, yeah. Think, you oh, know? no, they, they've Thank been very, very supportive. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were able to, which is very fortunate for a restaurant doing a build out, we were able to maintain our existing location and operate there um, while doing the build out. So right. we literally were closed for 36 hours between the two places. That's insane. It was insane. I can't even yes. imagine. It was it was like a, like a billion ants just carrying things um, back, back and, and forth. forth. For Don't like say ants in association with a restaurant. It's a oh, bad idea. Right. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Elephants. Elephants. Elephants carrying um, things. Back. So how did you decide to update the restaurant and change your offerings? So we tried to, we had a very unique opportunity after all of these years to take into account sort of all the lessons that we had learned for good and for bad over all of our years of operation um, and things we had been hearing from our guests over the time and from our employees. And this was the first time we really were able to build a space from scratch with exactly the vision, you know, that that we had from the beginning. What a luxury. It was a luxury, I have to say. It was fantastic. So, well, what I like, I mean, you know, each of us are like, the, the lighting is terrific. The Thank lighting you. is perfect. Thank and you. I like that, the, I mean, that whole kind of, it's really a glass window wall mm-hmm. out onto mm-hmm. the, you know, mm-hmm. and the front is glass, but yes. on the side makes the space seem so much bigger. It does. And the, the idea of having booths that aren't booths with, with big fluffy chairs and yeah, pillows for, you know. But let's talk about very, the kind of things you're offering there, because mm-hmm. aside from a full menu mm-hmm. and a full wine list, a yes. full bar. Yes. And... Now you, I mean, I know you probably always had this at your other stores, but there's really like a big gift area. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like packing a basket, whether it's for somebody else or for yourself, it's really, it's really, really well curated. Well, thank you. Um, What we really strive to do, and and again, it's always a work in progress, but Mm -hmm. we try to capture every possible experience that a guest could want 
Mm-hmm. Um, when they come into our space. So everything from if they want to have dinner or lunch or brunch, if they want to shop and bring things home for their family or friends, um, if they're doing an event and want it catered or bring things home, uh, if they want to do a private event in the store, we do the cheese classes. So all of these things are are kind of tied together to create one unifying experience um, for the guest uh, is a great way for them to have lots of different experiences in one place. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, can so we, no guess. Well, I want to, we haven't really talked about the full range of cheeses that you have there, and that's right. really – it's unbelievable. I happen to be – I told your husband earlier today that I think my body is about 85% cheese. Yes, uh, as it should be. As it should be. But, I mean, you've got – really, you've got something from everywhere in the world there. Mm-hmm. So why don't you mm-hmm. give us an idea of that? So one thing we always try and, and explain to people is is just the myriad cheeses that there are in the world, every color, texture, every milk type – um, everything that you could imagine. I remember when I first opened 15 years ago and my mother came into the shop. And I, I don't know, at that point, I think I had 50 cheeses or something, which now is, is like tiny compared right. to what we have. But I remember her standing in front of the cheese case and kind of holding her chest like this and saying, I had no idea there were this many cheeses in the whole world. Oh um, and I've always tried to remember that as I'm doing anything is that so many people, their experience with cheese like this is is the first one they have is when they come into Cheese Teak, and we want to make it easy and fun for them. Right. Well, and I love that. So how many cheeses would you say are in the new shop? In the new shop, we have probably about 150, I'd wow. say. Um, From all over the world? All over the world. All over is the world. Is there one mm-hmm. cheese or is there one place in the world that you found a cheese that you like that you're like, I can't believe this cheese is from here? You know what? I, I'll be honest. There's there's one that I love right now that we're getting from Missouri, of all places. And the reason I love it is because um, it's a woman cheesemaker at this teeny tiny little farm called Green Dirt Farm. And Missouri, of all places, is not somewhere you think of as being a cheese hub. And she just makes the most beautiful little works of art. And every one is Goat, sort of hand-wrapped. Cow, what kind of... She does mostly sheep, okay. um, it, which is also makes it very, very unique. So there's soft-ripened sheep's milk cheeses, which mm-hmm. you almost never find. Um, anywhere. And so it's, it's just, it's a very brave thing that, that this woman is doing in the middle of Missouri. It's just really cool. cool. Well, tell yeah. us quickly what you brought in today. Sure. Because you did, for people who don't know, you can follow Jill on Instagram mm-hmm. at Cheese Teak, and she does these fabulous videos of how to put together a cheese board, which I think is super, super and helpful. it's beautiful. Give us a quick rundown. It's right. Pretty. So so what we're celebrating today, we're kind of rolling all these things into one. So we're celebrating 15 years of Cheese Teak. We're celebrating Yay. the new location. Um, And we're also celebrating the upcoming holidays. So we tried to do kind of a decadent spread here of all super creamy, gooey, unctuous cheeses, Mm -hmm. um, but sort of of surprising milks. So we have a cow's milk. I mean, unctuous is a term people use when they describe cheese. It's the best word ever. Dickens use it to describe Uriah Heap. Did you know that? I feel like people not in the food world do not hear that in a positive light. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, to me, it's all good. Okay, so unctuous to me is runny and stretchy and sort of voluptuous and just this incredible velvety texture that you just want to spread and smear on okay, something. Okay, that sounds good to me. So, so really, really wonderful and creamy. We have a cow's milk cheese called Shores from France. Mm-hmm. We have a goat's milk cheese. Again, anything um, soft ripened that is not cow's milk is pretty rare. So this mm-hmm. is a goat's milk cheese actually from Maryland. Yay. Oh. Um, called, from Firefly Farms, mm-hmm. which is called Merry Goat Round. I'm a cheese punster, so I right. love that name. Um, and then third, we have another cheese from France called Brebi Russe, which means red sheep. And it is also a soft ripened cheese and very, very good. We got gooey. a real Frenchman back um, here, so just oh, be sure. I, my pronunciation is so 
terrible. I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> so, but I will say, given uh, just to talk about the puns, they do yes. run rampant. Yes, I know. I know what's happening. Okay. Uh, they do run rampant throughout Cheese Teak. So you have this fabulous, yes, uh, like portrait of Napoleon where oh, he's yes. supposed to be on the horse, but instead it's on a cow. Yes, it's really adorable. It's, yeah, I it's one it. of my favorite one of my favorite features it's for really sure. Cool. A little Trumploy. You have to look for it to know it. Um, and I definitely didn't say that correctly either. So don't <laughs> <It was like. laughs> All right. Tell everybody where they can find you, please. So we are we have three locations currently. We have our original in the Delray location of Alexandria. Mm-hmm. We are in the Sherlington neighborhood of Arlington and also in the Mosaic district of Fairfax. That's our newest location, about a year old now. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you so much. In. And in a couple of weeks, Jill is coming in studio on Industry Night, our other radio show, where we'll be talking with her and other cheesemakers uh, just about the industry in general. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. It's going right. to be a lot of fun. Okay, next, where are next, we going? We're going to Al Thompson. Al, Al step up hi. to the bar there. Al's the bar director at Hanuman, and he, he made – I. I watched you fire up this thing. Tell us about this drink. This is crazy. Great. Uh, so the cocktail that you're having is called Tish from Thousand Swords. Um, it's a cocktail based upon the Caribbean. Uh, you guys know the Caribbean was colonized. But why so, a Tears from a Thousand Swords? Well, so the Caribbean uh, was colonized by Europe, right? And mm-hmm. The gun was invented in 1503. So when Columbus came to this side of the world, he was using swords and not guns. So it's Tears from a Thousand Swords. Natives died. Europeans died. Africans died. So tears, right? Excellent. Sad. So. Very. Well, it is sad, it's, but now what did you put in the drink to make us happy? Great. Good segue. Yeah, um, so in the cocktail. I'm very good at, I've been doing the this queen a long time. Segues, <laughs> right. practice. Uh, so in the cocktail, some uh, aged rum, uh, Appleton, uh, some pineapple, cinnamon, which are Caribbean, uh, mm-hmm. allspice, uh, ginger, lime. And how are you sort of participating in what's going on at Allegory? Like, what's happening? Um, I know they're so going to make your drink for you. They, they've been making my drink. They've been doing a great job. Thank you, mm-hmm. guys. Um, so what's happening at Allegory is they're doing a, a black news, uh, uh, exhibit and mm-hmm. at that exhibit, uh, to go along with the exhibit, these guys have chosen, uh, five contemporary bartenders that are, you know, doing well, I guess, uh, in the city. Um, I'm one of them along with Capri, uh, Lauren, AJ, uh, Dwayne, mm-hmm. uh, all those people. So they're making cocktails from hundreds of years ago from other famous, uh, black bartenders. And then it, they're pairing that with our cocktails. So it's kind of Exciting. a dichotomy of like the, cool. the the past and the present. So I love it. Okay, well, thank you for coming in and sharing it. That's amazing. All right. All right. So. so on top of this fabulous cocktail promotion that's going on at Allegory at Eaton, what's the matter? Nothing. Oh, you made a lot. Just stumbled over fabulous. So okay. I thought you'd had too much wow, to drink you must already. Be perfect. <laughs> so hard. I am perfect. Um, aren't I? Come anyway. On. Yes, they're nodding. Yeah, right. right. That's because they're not married. To you. <laughs> um, it's DC Cocktail Week which uh, is every November, and it's really um, a cool promotion that the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington does every year. And I think a lot of people kind of wonder why they do it. But right before Thanksgiving, people seem to sort of withdraw from restaurants, right? They're like, oh, we're going to be eating a lot. There's a lot of food that's going to be happening. It's a lot of family, et cetera, and so on. And honestly, this is a time more than ever where you need to go and have a drink. You need to prep you need to get ready for all that's coming towards you. And the D.C. restaurant scene is ready to hit you up with that because not only are they get, doing cocktails, but it's a cocktail and bite pairing, which is, um, I think, super smart and super fun. Do you right. want to introduce our guest? Well, Harley, 
You ready? Absolutely. Thank All you. Right. Harley Hi. Mocker is, uh, are you the bar director? Yes. All yeah. right. At Karma Indian. Um, tell us a little bit about the restaurant and then what you're doing sure. for Cocktail uh, Week. Karma Indians, going, Karma Modern Indians going on about uh, two years now. Right in the mic. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You're on Just radio, started. dude. Okay, and, you can uh, move it towards you. <laughs> Thanks, There Cassie. you go. Yeah. Uh, so they're going on two years now. Um, it's kind of a twist on Indian cuisine where they utilize uh, fairly modern ingredients, so things that you wouldn't traditionally see in Indian food. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have bronzino, lobster, things of that nature that you would normally not see around D.C., um, and so how does that showcase itself in your cocktails? So the cocktails, I use a lot of actually Italian ingredients mm. because I find that the, the bold flavors in Italian ingredients stand up to the Indian cuisine Benissimo. fairly well. Mm. Exactly. So in this, I'm making you guys a Boulevardier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be Angel's Envy bourbon because we carry a really extensive list of bourbon, um, whiskeys, scotches. Um, and then the vermouth in that is actually Cochi. good. Thank you. Cochi, really Cochi Americano Rosso. Um, mm-hmm. Because the, uh, the Gentian is a little stronger in that, you're going to have a more herbaceous quality. Mm-hmm. It can stand up to some of the, the fuller flavors. In the well, the, my stuff. problem with bourbon um, or you know, any of the whiskeys is that you know, they can like, take the paint off your tongue. This, the mm-hmm. vermouth cuts the— Absolutely. Man, this is good. vermouth's coming in at about you know, 16% alcohol, so you're not going to ruin your palate with it. It's mm-hmm. really only just going to enhance it. Most, I didn't yeah. know until— we started doing this show. The vermouth is really wine, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's basically Look at Jill. Jill was impressed. She's, like, she's like, did you know that? She's looking at me. She's like, Jeff, why don't you know that? <laughs> but I mean, yeah. And so yeah. it cuts the... Bur- this is delicious. Absolutely. Yeah. You can so sip on are that you doing a bite it. with this? Is the we chef doing a bite? Well. What is yep. the bite? Uh, it's going to be seared scallops over roasted red peppers mm-hmm. or uh, our narial chili prawns, both of which are not traditionally things that are going to be cooked in Indian cuisine, so it kind of mm-hmm. showcases the twist that we bring to things. Nice. Uh, one's pretty spicy, the other's not, so mm-hmm. it's open to everybody. And have you guys participated in DC Cocktail Week before? We have, yeah. And mm-hmm. was it um, a worthwhile promotion for you? It is. It's a lot of fun. It brings people in who wouldn't otherwise be coming in and, you know, I know, people get really into it, right? They really they do. Like and they try the different and hit every stop. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fun to be on that list. It, it makes cool. sense. All right, make sure everybody knows where the restaurant is. Absolutely. Karma Modern Indian is at 611 I Street, Northwest D.C. We're Excellent. right by the uh, Gallery Place Chinatown Metro. And before we take a quick break, just to wrap up uh, the D.C. Cocktail Week sort of segment here, there are some events going on in and around the area, aside from all the restaurants that you can go to who are participating. So uh, tomorrow, Monday, November 18th, there is a happy hour at the Fainting Goat that includes complimentary tastings from the Virginia Distilling Company. And uh, Dos Mamis is going to be doing an event on Tuesday, November 19th. And on Wednesday, there's a happy hour at Royal that includes tastings from Contocton Creek. So lots of deliciousness happening around the city this week with D.C. Cocktail Week. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. This is Nikki Nellis and David Nellis. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a sec. Oh, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Let's talk more about the, the good life behind bars. Capri Robinson is here. You, you were DC's Hi. 2017 cocktail queen. I don't even know what that means. Was it an all-women <laughs> yes, okay, all okay, women all right. uh, competition? Yes. All right. And, and you're at Reliable Tavern. I'm at Reliable Tavern, yes. And you're participating in this thing at Allegory. So tell us about your participation. Um, so uh, the crew at Allegory came to me and told me that they had this idea, of course, with Black News that you've all been hearing about, um, and asked me if I wanted to be a part and also teach a class uh, along with this. And I was, of course, saying yes. Um, any um, exposure for people of color behind the bar, I want to be a part of. 
Um, so uh, I think this is just a great opportunity to get people understanding the history of black people in, in the in industry and how far back that goes. Um, and so today um, I'll be kind of sounds like there's a book there if somebody wants to take well, the you know, initiative. I, was just I think say, we're starting, you know, starting what's to really get that together. So um, a couple of weeks ago, thank you on our other show, Industry Night at the Line Hotel, we did um, I featured all the black distillers. Awesome. And it was a really cool conversation. So Absolutely. do you know Chanel with Foudre? Yes, Baca? I do. Okay, so do. she's a force, right? Yes. What's with and Chanel, Capri? I got to get a new name. Yes, you do. <laughs> so mundane. Um, anyway, so I, I think that there's some sort of possibly like some sort of collab there that could really happen because it is it is really hard for people of color to get into the distilling industry. Mm-hmm. The money is just not as available. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? So like I feel like there's some sort of something that could happen there that makes yes. a lot of sense. Um, and Chanel also does a great job with a black wine and f- uh, food and wines festival, sorry. Right, uh, that which she is did really earlier awesome. this Chanel, year. Yes. Chanel is a machine. Yes. She's she involved in, in more earlier, stuff. Right, yeah. like she's... She's Amazing. incredible, right. Yeah. So now what are, what's your class going to be like? What are you doing? Uh, so th- today I'll be talking about um, hospitality as a whole. So um, just something that go back towards so people can understand, again, what we're doing and the reason why we are hospitable and um, what that comes with. And also kind of talking about unconscious bias and what that does and how that affects hospitality and what that um, and kind of how to, you know, recheck the, um, the consciousness and see how to better treat people and to have a better environment in your establishment. Don't you feel like it's for both, right? Like a better Absolutely. A better customer and a better server. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Like it's gotta like everybody needs to be sort of more kind yeah, one across of the, the board. Yeah, one of the things I'm gonna bring up today is uh, about eye contact and what that means. Um, when now you we're walk all making into the eye building. contact. Yeah. Now we're like all into it. We're like, I'm looking at you. <laughs> looking, especially when you take a shot, right? Everyone's always like eye contact. And you're like, okay, I got this. Um, so that's it's it's we have to start um recognizing each other as people again. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about. All right. I love it. And I'm loving that you're getting the opportunity to do so. Thank you. So I appreciate it. Do we what are we, we got to go quickly? Yes. Tell Sorry. us about your drink. So that's the Nella Fossa. That cocktail got me a trip to Italy, which was amazing. Oh um, my and God. that you're going to have um, a little bit of lemon juice. Um, you're going to have uh, sour cherry gin by Luxardo. Luxardo's bitter Bianco. Um, a little bit of orange blossom simple syrup topped off with... Um, uh, soda water and a uh, rose water spritz and a flower. So it All sounds right. like it was super simple. You didn't work really hard on it. <laughs> nope. And that's how you got to Italy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, everybody go to Allegory and, and and get an education and try all these drinks. They're fabulous. Yes. Right. And after the class, we'll be at Reliable Tavern for a little happy hour around like seven. All cool. right. Now all right. we're going to switch you. you out and put Reed in that chair. And I would hope that a chef whose last name is Giannini would be happy to hear Italy getting some props here. I mean, a, a few. Okay. Apparently. Can we get to read, please? Read. So speaking of looking people in the eye and getting their names and all of that, <laughs> um, you opened a restaurant called Chilling Candy Company down in the yards. And one of the things you do that I, you were talking before the show is you make sure you get everybody's name when they come in so the server isn't just saying sir or ma'am. I like that. Yeah, I think uh, that's part of genuine hospitality, right? That's what we go for uh, at Chilling Candy Company every day is making people feel part of our family, you know. But let's back up a little bit. So you have a really impressive resume. So can we go through it a little bit for people who may not be familiar with you? Sure. So you got into cooking because of your family. Like you wrote in your bio, you got your car and you went right to a restaurant and was like, I want to work here. But then you your travels took you to some pretty Well, you pretty went to the names. CIA. You worked for Thomas Keller. Not right. bad. Yeah, not 
not not bad. I'm, I've been uh, pretty fortunate in my career to work for some really great chefs and mentors, uh, and still kind of surround myself with with a lot of great people uh, in in our kitchen, in our restaurant. But were there things that you took? Like, where would you say you went in opening Schilling? Were there things that you took from different chefs that you're like, I definitely want this. I don't want that. These are the things that I want in my own place. Um, I think, you know, and I've been in this business for 21 years, mm-hmm. right? Uh, okay, and you I look think like you're 10. I was going to say, <laughs> did you start six months before you were right. conceived? <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thank you. I I, uh, I appreciate that. No, I, I think, um, you know, anyone who's is uh, doing well in this business, it does so because they're a sponge. Right, and they learn from wherever they go, and whoever they whoever they meet, uh, and whatever they see, and they absorb all of these things, uh, and you kind of just stockpile them in your memory. For I like that, I didn't like that. Um, that's really neat. That's really creative, uh, and you hold on to these things. And then when you need to reach into your bag of tricks, all of those things are there and build who you are. You know, not only as a chef, but also you know as a person, as a leader, uh, as a mentor. Well, when you were putting together the menu for Schilling Canning, I mean, since I have eaten there and David has not, um, you know, there's a real... Maybe I have. No, you haven't. Um, there's clearly a point of view on the menu and in your cocktail program and on your wine list. So how would you best explain that to people? Um, you know, our, our our menu is driven by uh, locality, right? It's, it's what's available. It's the season. It's not... Um, you know, we change the menu every day, right? And and the concept itself. Which is really itself, hard to do. Yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we source our ingredients from 30 or 40 different farmers, purveyors, fishermen uh, that are all local here to the Chesapeake region. Uh, once we get those ingredients in house, then we figure out what to do with it. Um, so the week will start, and we'll get a, you know a load from you know each farm brings on a different day. Right. And so we'll have we'll have their uh, their produce in our cooler and then we figure out, you know, what do we do with these turnips? What do we do uh, with this kale or this variety of kale and where would this best be utilized? Uh, and, you know, and proteins, uh, not just vegetables, but also proteins. And and how do we how do we make how do we highlight this ingredient uh, and really show it off? Well, okay. your wife, Sarah, sitting next to me and I want to know what your role with the restaurant is. Besides telling Reed what to do. Thank you. <laughs> because you're married. Well, and they have a little one. They have a baby. Yeah. Oh, we do. Um, so I'm a partner in the in the, in the the business, uh, and I'm the director of business development. So I kind of wear a little bit of different hats each day. I, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there's somebody that really needs me, I will be on the floor. I will help in the kitchen. I will help um, run the dining room. Uh, but mostly, you know, my, my job is to oversee, like, just the big picture of where we want to go with the restaurant. How do we want to, you know, manage our HR, our finances, our marketing, um, just looking at how it's do we want... the wanna... unsexy part of the restaurant business that you're dealing with, Exactly, right? yeah. It's, right. it's more of like the the administrative end of it. But, you uh-huh. know, it's, it's so important, especially being small business owners and a husband and wife duo, just, you know, we don't have other people doing that and somebody has to take on that task. <laughs> well, good for you for doing that. Thank um, you. In... Yes, go ahead. Jess. Well, what, what about what about desserts? Are you doing your own desserts, or do you have a pastry chef there? Uh, everything that we sell, we make. Everything, cool. uh, whether it's breads or desserts or sausages or 
All of it. We make all of it in house. Beautiful. That's quite a commitment. Do you it's sleep? a lot of work. Uh, you got a kid too. I, Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I uh, I I get home. I get in bed uh, somewhere between one and two usually, and my daughter wakes me up. Maybe it's three. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's six. We have or a puppy. Seven, if I'm lucky, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it depends on the day. But you do have sort of the centerpiece of the restaurant is that massive. I, I don't know if it's a wood burning yeah. show. What, mm-hmm. what is it? Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a uh, wood burning oven. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's a really a really neat thing. Uh, the parts itself they come from Italy. The oven's manufactured in Healdsburg, California, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know an area of the country that's that's true to both Sarah and I. Um, and so it's manufactured over there by a company called Munini. They shipped it over here. Uh, and then I had the same the same guys that did uh, the copper dome on the Library of Congress hand clad our oven. Uh, it took two oh. of them three weeks to do. Uh, so it's, it's essentially it's a sculpture. It well, really is. Let's make sure everybody knows where the restaurant is down at the yards. Uh, yeah, we're in the yards right in, in Yards Park. Uh, that's 360 Water Street Southeast. Uh, in between Fourth and and Third on Water Street, and you do Great. dinner. We do dinner Tuesday through Saturday, and mm-hmm. then we do uh, brunch on Sunday. Uh, so that's five p.m. to ten p.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday we are eleven to eight, uh, and we run both the full menu and the brunch card all day on Sunday. Okay. Cool. And you have is the outdoor patio still open, or is it just weather? We have we have some heaters really out. Pretty. We have some heaters out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're if you're if you're willing, we're willing, and we can get some some hot toddies, if you will, <laughs> okay. uh, out there out there for you all as well. She talks a big game. Yes. All right, guys, thanks Thank very you. much. Thank you so much. Now we're gonna swap you out days. and yes. bring our friends in from Kingbird at the Watergate. Uh, Christian Welsh and Sebastian Giannini are the two chefs there, yes. and we mentioned at the top of the show that pâté en croûte is a, uh, a it's a it's a French specialty, a French delicacy, and usually in the competitions. I guess it's fair to say that a Frenchman wins. Is that uh, I think usually we should what happens? start before that. Normally, yes. There yeah, sorry, are pâté en croûte competitions. I mean, is that something that er- – do you know what I mean? Like, do the French just compete over everything? Yes. In culinary yeah. part, yes. <laughs> everything. <laughs> so right, how did you all get involved in this? We have a proposition from uh, D'Artagnan, you know, end of September. Uh-huh. Probably uh, three days before the end of the date – to submit all of the folder, and we say, uh, why not, you know, just before uh, to went on vacation in France. We used some recipe, you know, of uh, my grandmother and the whole competition of the Bocuse d'Or, and uh, we say, Christian, you can do this, you know, the big biggest talent we have at the restaurant. Okay, now. I feel like while everybody's listening to this segment, you should come over here and get yes. some pâté en croûte, so you should all try it while we're um, discussing it. So what is here, pâté here. en croûte? Pâté en croûte, you have, uh, you know, three quality to serve this. First of all, it needs to be croustillant, the base, you know, need to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you need to have pistachio and after, you know, you need to have a, a gelée clarified to be sure it's nice melting and for sure the taste. Mm-hmm. This is why the three ingredients when they are united is good for us. So, this is your grandmother's recipe? The inside, yeah. The inside, you know, it's uh, the story about the ville also Buko, you know, she made for me a uh, Mm-hmm. Long time ago and often and often. And the two uh, sides, you know, we present for the competition. We have a small tartelette with a pearl onion and uh, a potatoes, you know, cook on the turmeric, you know, with savoura, mustard, chives, shallots. Mm-hmm. I used to doing this, you know, um, 12 years ago for a dish, you know, a scallops dish. And I present this for the Bocuse d'Or. 
and we reuse this, you know. It's sure. Well, I want to ask Christian, correct? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Sir. Can't Don't call him, sir. sir. You're going to make me feel <laughs> old. I'll have Don't to kill me. myself. <laughs> so had you ever made pâté en croûte before? So, no. In terms of charcuterie in its own, I've never made pâté, pâté croûte. So um, were you intimidated when chef said, hey, we're going to be competing? Not so much intimidated, more excited for the fact that it, I was actually able to actually put my hands on it, mm-hmm. grasp the idea of it, work with it, figure out how I'm going to make it make it work, really. You know? So how long did it take for you to get I'm still job? working. It's not, well, I don't think it's well, perfect at all for, by any means. But, but Because you're who, a true artist. But I, I mean, how but long? for people who don't know, yeah. let's talk about the process. Yes. Like developing the, cru- the, cru- the pastry. Yes. And then the meats that go inside and so then the, the jelly. Because it's, it's. So it's, yeah, it's steps. It's steps. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the pastry is the 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 simplest part of it. It's just putting some flour and some butter and some water and some eggs is there together. Rye in this? There is none. There is none. Okay. Um, what you're probably tasting is the fennel pollen that goes that into must there. Be it. Yes. Okay. Um, and and really just to let the dough rest, and then mm-hmm. I I section it out to shape it toward the the sides of the walls that that encase the pate, and then the base and the top. Okay. Um, the, the, the most tarring process is actually the farce, the meat, the inside, mm-hmm. um, because there's different portions, there's different proteins. There's obviously uh, mostly, uh, veal asabuco, uh, but there's a little bit of pork, but again, it gets salted, it gets marinated. Hold on. I have to cut you off. Sorry. We missed our commercial break. Um, just, we'll be right back sure. with you. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We are digging into pate en croute and it is delicious. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Quickly, before we get back to the show, I just want to thank all our sponsors. Uh, Hakan Ilhan's Mirabel Ottoman Taverna, his Italian eateries Alba Osteria and Al Dente, and now open in Georgetown uh, Brasserie Liberté. Uh, our friends at ProFish, the finest sustainable seafood there is, Ivy City Smokehouse, Meat Crafters and Central Farm Markets, thanks for sponsoring the show. If you're not a sponsor, shame on you. Shame <laughs> on you. you can, all you got to do is get in touch. Yes. All right. So, Shep, let's get back to you and let's talk about this process that you had to go through to, to create an award-winning so dish in three days, right? Mm-hmm. Also, Buko, like, how did we put the meats together? The meats get uh, deboned from – they come in whole. Mm-hmm. Asabuco is, is shank, right? So right. we get whole shanks, and, and I clean them. Um, we get – pork shoulder and I clean them. Um, so they come in big pieces and then I break it down to smaller pieces and then it gets salted and marinated overnight. Mm-hmm. So that's one process. Um, and then it gets shaped the next day and then baked. That's Is there anything process. special about that, that process, the salting? I mean, it, it's it a sounds, specific, it sounds too easy. It, it's a specific salt that helps us preserve meat. And obviously, obviously the color of the meat, it stays pink. Like we would mm-hmm. see a normal piece of pork when it comes in. It retains its color, so it's very bright environment. If we didn't, then it's very blonde and and almost like if we've cooked it over right. the fire. So um, then how is the gelatin set? So the gelatin is, is veal stock. And then mm-hmm. I take all the bones that we've gotten from our whole proteins, and I roast them with butter. So this is like a collagen shot. Is that what you're telling me? Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. Kevin should be rubbing it on her face. Are you kidding? I'll start injecting it. <laughs> so the bones get roasted, and then they get fortified with the stock until it reduces down and has an enhanced flavor of veal. Mm-hmm. And then it gets um, paired with the actual marinade from the proteins itself. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, I bring it back to a boil, and then I actually clarify it in a specific way. And then cool it down. And then again, after the whole cooking process and it's cooled, I flood the gelatin inside the, the pate and it sets overnight again. So it, 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 it firms up. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it just leaves such a beautiful layer right, right it, under the crust. It's exactly. so pretty. Yes. So let me ask you about the competition. Do you, mm-hmm. do you 
fly somewhere and do all this there or do you submit? How do you do that? So again, we submitted a profile and we um, fortunately got accepted the last minute. Um, mm-hmm. And now again, yes, we, we will fly, fly to uh, Nice and we'll stay there and I will pick my merchandise when we get to Nice and then travel to Lyon for the competition on uh, the and second. And so this is for the world title, right? Yes. So right now you're the North American. North American. That's amazing. Wow. Congratulations. Well, well, well. So, Chef, how does this help you with the restaurant? Like, are you going to serve this now? What What is it going to do? Yeah, we, we serve this, you know, just uh, one pate per day, you know, for eight uh, wonderful guests, you know, mm-hmm. just this, not more. Because this is I part. Like it should be on like a Thanksgiving table. It's, it's part of the training, you know, until the second of December when we arrive for the competition. Okay, wait. So when is the competition? Second of December. Okay. And how many chefs participate in that? Sixteen. Sixteen. Sixteen, you know, in a, in a Lyon, in a, you know the big garage of um, you know Tain Hermitage of Michel Chapoutier, the wine producer, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's uh, we'll see, you know, we arrive in this in a. In my hometown, you know. And, I feel like you need like a media group to go. We should with be you with you. Like, <laughs> you can, you can. Supporting you, can. you, supporting you. giving a blow by blow, like what's happening. You could be like sportscasters of the pate. And I, I would like to. Last time I was in Nice, I had a backpack on, so I would like to go oh first God. class. Don't this even time. make him tell um, that story, um, please. It's not. I wasn't in Nice when that oh, happened. Okay, but good. anyways, so. <laughs> The other contestants are—is the majority? Yeah, you have nine uh, nine contests, so you know they are French. They're and all after, French. Yes, all French. And after <laughs> the other one, we have uh, uh, Asia Pacifica, and we have uh, North America. North America, the champion, Christian, mm-hmm. and uh, the number um, number two, you know, chef of uh, Alain Ducasse in uh, New York. But the nine competitors, you know, what is interesting? You have the chef of the George V in Paris. You know, it's uh, Angelo Lièvre, you know, and you have the, the chef of the French uh, president, you know, Guillaume Gomez, for example. You have the chef of the Moulin Rouge, David Le Kelec, you know, uh, nice, nice and big name, you know, and uh, I'm very proud, you know. Well, you uh, can we be can the rookie that goes in and kicks some ass, can't right. you? <laughs> uh, I'm hoping for that. <laughs> That'll be great. Well, it's delicious. Thank and you so much. Congratulations you. on your winning so far, and we're all behind you. Thank you With so your much. trip after Thank you. And let's. Let's not forget to mention Kingbird. We had a meal there not long ago, a couple of months ago, that was spectacular. It was lovely. So, Always thank good. You. Thank yes, you. All right. so thank you both so much for being in. Guys, thanks. All um, right. Um, Paul. Paul, step back up to the plate there, and let's just make sure everybody knows the, kind of the full tilt on uh, the good life behind bars and what to expect and, and how the long dates. it's going on for and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just want to say thanks for having us. Uh, we uh, are going to be doing it through December, and that's going to be at Allegory. At the Eaton Hotel, we're on uh, 12th and K Northwest, right mm-hmm. downtown. Uh, you can find all of the educational tickets on Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fir- how the, many educational tickets are there? Like, how many events are you doing? So we just recently did uh, Dwayne Sylvester right. last Sunday. It was amazing. Yeah, he's, he's been a guest a couple we of know times. Good he's really great. Well. Yeah. Right. Beautiful turnout. Uh, we actually have Capri going on tonight, which is going to be a great Yay, turnout Capri! as well. That's going to be from 5.30 to 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to feature a few, like, two to three different drinks, mm-hmm. uh, some snacks, uh, and then Capri's got a really amazing lecture that she's going to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, tic- we could still get a few tickets on Eventbrite. Okay. Um, and then we're going to ha- feature uh, Lauren Paler from mm-hmm. Dos Mommies and Pom Pom mm-hmm. on December 1st. She's awesome. One of my old mentors. She's great. Uh, December 8th, we're going to have uh, Al. Uh, and then afterwards, we're going to be meeting... After Capri's class and Al's class, we're going to be meeting for drinks at Reliable Tavern tonight and then at Hanuman 
After Alice, what Bush. a novel been, idea! Drinks followed by drinks. Yeah, you know, it's like a pregame, educational pregame. Can you tell everybody where Hanuman is? So Hanuman is at sixteen oh four, Seventh Street Northwest. Okay. So seven, thank you, Shaw. Okay, great, thank you. Just look up the best, and you'll find it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, and then we're also going to be having uh, AJ, uh, who, who we is, know really well. Yeah. She's amazing. She's, she's amazing. the best because she was behind uh, DMB uh, Black Restaurant yes, Week. Exactly. Yeah, she's actually like they they've been a really great yeah, AJ, AJ's a helping. force too. Yeah, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's got like more hours in the day than most of us do. I don't know how <laughs> yeah, she does it. How she does it right. Uh, but her class is going to be on the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if you want to know more information, you can follow. All of us on social media, so at Allegory DC, mm-hmm. at Hanuman, at Chocolate City's Best, at DMB Black Restaurant Week, or at Nikki Nellis. Yep, Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, unfortunately, the show's almost over. Mm-hmm. Everything you heard about the the show today, not to steal your thunder, but you can find on the list or you want it dot com, uh, Nikki's website. Uh, follow Nikki on Instagram, mm-hmm. on Twitter, on YouTube. How about, how about letting me take on that? On Facebook, okay. follow her So everywhere. you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We always post everything that's going on, not just in the Foodie and the Beast studio, but also on our Industry Night studio. So earlier this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with the authors of The New Joy of Cooking, and that is up right now on fullserviceradio.org. And tomorrow, I am so excited because Lydia Bastanich is in D.C. and she is coming in the Industry Night Studio. So we'll be talking about Felidia, her latest book, and obviously uh, her cooking over the last 50 years. Um, Tune in here. Obviously, next week we'll be back in studio. We want to thank all of our guests for coming in today. It was a full studio. Lots of booze, lots of food, lots of good news, all of which you can use with your regular going out in the D.C. metro area. I want to thank all my guests again for joining us in studio and everybody else. Please have a delicious week. <laughs>